footsteps behind you as you enter the woods. Night draws back its cape. Light illumines your path. Open your eyes. Welcome to Dark Softly Tales, dark stories for dark hearts. I'm Mav Sky. Good evening and welcome to your nightmares and your favorite horror storytelling podcast, Dark Softly Tales. I'm your host, Mav, and tonight... We have a Lovecraftian-type tale for you called Strings. I've written some strange stories over the years, but this one I consider to be one of the weirder ones. What ultimately inspired the story Strings is something I saw when I lived in South Texas. I lived in this tiny little town called Catula, about an hour north of Laredo. In the area I lived in, there was many, many morning doves. In fact, that was one of my favorite things about South Texas. There was a great big old mesquite tree next to my bedroom window, and I would wake up every morning to the sound of morning doves. And it was quite magical, at least that part of living in Texas. So a lot of birds means a lot of nests, right? Here in Washington, if a chick falls out of the nest, it can keep around for a few hours unharmed. But in Texas, if a chick falls out of its nest, it is immediately preyed on by ants. And they will take bits and pieces of that chick while it's still alive. So gruesome. For me, it was one of the most horrible things I've ever seen. And I saw this quite a bit living down there, and so did my kids. And ugh. But there was this one time that I'll never be able to get out of my head. I saw this one chick that had fallen out of the nest. Um, by a tree and it had just begun to sprout feathers so it couldn't fly yet but the ants had already gotten to it and it was standing there with its head bowed to the ground with like its beak kind of resting in the sand and its eyes half closed its little wings or arms were kind of slouched to the ground and it was turning in these slow circles and there was these circles in the dirt where it had just been doing this for a long time. And I just couldn't help but feel this overwhelming feeling of like abandonment and entrapment and just pure despair as these ants ate it alive. It was the epitome of horror in my mind and it made such an impression on me that I had to write about it. The second image you'll recognize in this story is from when I was little. I stayed at my grandmother's on a regular basis. Her house was always very cold, and we never knew why, but it was freezing in the winter and cold in the summer, which was actually kind of nice. But that did not compare to how cold my grandmother's bedroom was. It was like a freezer. She always kept the windows closed, the curtains closed, so it was dark, and there was these mirrors that lined one wall. So when you moved in the room, it was like you saw your reflection, but there wasn't enough light to really see color. So it was like this shadow moving across the room. And it's just creepy. Anyway, I was very rarely allowed in there. But occasionally when I was really sick and they wanted to keep me away from the other kids, my grandma would put me in her bed. 
Um, but I could never sleep because her bedroom was such this strange and foreign and mysterious place. Anyway, so as I would lay in bed, I would stare up at the ceiling and there were these spirally cracks that ran the whole length of the room. And I always imagined it was a spider web. And one day, the ceiling was going to fly away and there would be this neon green glowing haze and a spider would come sliding down on a web from outer space and snatch me up. I specifically thought it would be a mother spider. Don't ask me why. I read a lot of comic books back then, so maybe that's where the idea came from. I have no idea. But I was always afraid when I slept in her room that it was only a matter of time before the great spider came. And I would trace the cracks on her ceilings for hours, looking for the slightest sign that the cracks were growing wider or perhaps the ceiling was trembling or perhaps a spider leg would stick through one of those cracks. I'm still here, so it never happened. But there was that fear that it was going to happen. And anyway, so these two images came together into this story called Strings. I hope you enjoy it. So why don't you go ahead and sit back, maybe light a candle, wrap up in a blanket. We're going dark tonight. But remember, the darker the night, the brighter the star. I'm not afraid. Are you? Take my hand and hang on tight as we journey into the dark softly. Strings by Mav Sky. It was 3 a.m. on Friday night when Cassie felt the tug, as if invisible strings were tied to her palms, drawing them into the air. Another tug, and the strings raised her straight up into a sitting position on the bed. She screamed, but Brian didn't hear her. Even Coco, all curled up on his fuzzy blanket in the corner, didn't hear her. There was a loud pop, a sigh, like something being released, and a whisper sang with a hint of a girlish voice. When the wind blows, the cradle Cassie screamed again as the ceiling broke away and a green funnel electrified the night sky. At the top of the funnel, a shadowy entity pulsed the heart of lightning. Eight legs spun at something she couldn't see. Its front legs rose up, and Cassie felt the pull on her arms again. Wind swept down the funnel. Cassie cried out for Brian. She screamed his name over and over. The strings yanked her up, up, up through the funnel. Brian's voice cut through the chaos like a piece of sharp glass. Cassie? The ceiling closed. The tug released. Cassie fell back on her pillow. She tried to speak. Couldn't. I swear I just heard you scream, he whispered. Brian sat up, ran his hands through his hair, slid his legs over the side of the bed. Cassie watched the tight skin of his back rise and fall with his even breathing. Finally, she found her voice. I had this, this terrible nightmare. 
It was the only way that she could explain it. Yeah, me too. The edginess was back. He stood and walked out of the bedroom. Coco stretched. He looked up at her as if asking what she was so alarmed about, then tucked his pink nose back between his kitty paws, relaxing once more. Cassie lay on her back, staring up at the ceiling. Was she losing her mind as well as Brian? Brian appeared again. Their eyes met briefly. She tried to think of something to say, something that would bring him closer, away from the black void that pulled him from her. I'm sorry for waking you. Can I make it up? Somehow? His eyes glanced over the silky fabric covering her breasts, paused, then glanced away. I'm tired, Cass. Go back to sleep. He feigned a yawn and climbed under the sheets. He turned his back to her. Brian? Hmm. I'm scared. Silent. She listened to the grandfather clock tick in the hallway. Cassie closed her eyes. She thought of Brian taking her to dinner two weeks earlier. How she thought he was going to tell her about a secret vacation getaway. The one they always talked about. Instead, he told her he was leaving. That he got a job in Seattle. Six loud knocks came from above the ceiling. Then a crash as if a frying pan fell off a shelf. Or an eight-legged creature with fangs the size of Mars fell from the twilight zone into her attic. She laid there, heart beating. She stared at the ceiling, at the little cracks that spiraled out like a spider web. Her eyes traced the web for hours, pausing only when she heard the noises from above. Dawn stole the night sky. Monsters don't come out during the day. So Cassie slept. Cassie? The sound of his voice seeped into Cassie's consciousness. It was a rope she could hold onto and pull herself out. Cassie? You still asleep? My God, it's 6 p.m. Cassie sat up. Six in the evening? I... She glanced at the alarm clock. Brian said, You've been acting so strange since... She brought her fist to her temples. It was out before she could stop it. Since you dumped me? Brian was silent. At the restaurant, two weeks ago. I thought you'd booked that vacation to Rome we'd always talked about. Instead... Her voice broke. Cassie squeezed her eyes shut and melted into the sheets once more. Her world had turned to nothing but gray, separated only by the blackness of night and light brought by the sun. I see now. She heard Brian sigh enter the room. He sat on the bed and put a hand on her ankle. You hadn't said anything. I mean, I thought you knew. How could I know you were leaving? We haven't talked for months. Cassie wanted to cry. We've been busy. I have a studio. You had your classes. People get busy. It doesn't mean they... She struggled for words. 
they up and leave. There's more than just the job. Cassie opened her eyes and focused on a tiny crack on the ceiling. One small crack. You've been sleeping with someone? Her worst fear. Or was it? Cassie thought of the beast in the night sky from the evening before. Her sanity hung by strings. How long before they snapped? No. Brian squeezed her ankle. It's not like that. I could never do that to you. But there's someone else. Cassie wanted to move her legs so he wasn't touching them, and yet she craved his touch. No. All the anger drained out of Cassie, and suddenly she was sad again. Brian, why are you leaving? I don't understand. Brian glanced over at her. Their eyes met. For the first time in weeks, she saw no animosity, but something else she couldn't identify. I'll make us some dinner. He loosened his tie. We'll talk. He watched her face intensely. Okay? She nodded. Okay. It was a meal like many they had in previous years. Barbecue chicken, potato salad, baked beans and chocolate cake. Cassie made a mean frosting, and she knew it was Brian's favorite. All through dinner, they avoided the issue and talked like they had when they first gotten together. He chatted about his classes, his students, the ridiculous answers they had given. She talked about her studio, the painting, but she hadn't much to say. The fervor for her work had waned. The colors mixed and blended into monstrosities, mere shadows of the beauty she had spent years creating. It scares me, she said finally. Your art? Why? I feel like they are the colors of my mind. Brian watched her, listened. It was one of the many reasons she loved him. Go on, he said. It's like, she stopped to think. It's like my mind is attached to puppet strings and something is pulling me here and there making me paint ideas that aren't mine, think thoughts that aren't mine. Brian broke eye contact and smoothed the tablecloth. I've seen your work the past couple months. It, he stopped. It's what? I don't know, Cass. Things have changed. You've changed. And I don't know what to make of it. You've told me how you can't remember your real mother, the foster families. It's like your past, your childhood is coming back to... I don't know. Why won't you see a doctor? And tell him what? There aren't pills for that. Artists are always channeling something or another. It has nothing to do with my past, Brian. No, doctors can't help me. Cassie thought of the week before. A baby dove had been blown out of its nest. It twittered on the ground, alone, calling for help. Its wing was broken, and it was already covered in ants by the time she'd found it. 
moved in slow circles, creating a kind of sad, abstract art in the loose dirt. The dove reminded Cassie of herself. If you feel like something is making you do things, that's something you need to tell a doctor about. What about... Does schizophrenia run in your family? Cassie gritted her teeth. Brian shook his head and sighed. You need to find something, Cass. You need help. Is this why you're leaving? There, she said it. She watched his fingers work on the tablecloth. It was a way she might manipulate a Merlot into a deep purple. No. I mean, yes. I don't know. It's just that this isn't what I want anymore. But it used to be. You used to want it, right? Yes. I'll see a doctor, Brian. If I see a doctor and he fixes me up, will you stay? Brian sighed, rose from the table, and walked to Cassie. He reached for her hands and lifted her up. He folded her in his arms and kissed the top of her head. It's not that I stopped loving you. I never will, Cass. I just can't live with you like this. And my dream job has come up. I'd asked you to marry me, and you never would. It's like you've always known about this. What worried her most was the last word he'd said. This. What do you mean, this? As if it's an entity. Something that's always been there, hiding, waiting for me to break. A little splinter in the wall becomes a large crack for something to crawl through. Is that what you're trying to say? Brian had unraveled her from his arms and was watching her again. Cass, I never meant it like that. Genuine concern showed on his face. I don't want... Her voice cracked, to be alone. She felt the tears come, again, ever. Come on. Brian led her through the kitchen, up the stairs to the bedroom, where they undressed each other and made love. It felt like the first time, but Cassie knew it was the last. Afterwards, Brian fell asleep. She lay naked, with only the white sheets separating her from the darkness. Cassie watched the ceiling, followed the spiraled spider web cracks. The night before, they had seemed so small, and now the web encompassed the whole of their bedroom. And even more, it felt like a code, a code that she needed to read and break urge to paint hit her. She wanted to paint iron bars. Iron bars forming perfect rings suspended by invisible strings that would raise and lower them, entrapping and releasing whomever and whatever the strings chose. Cassie thought about rising from the bed, slipping into clothes and rushing into the studio. But a deep groan above the ceiling stopped her heart from beating. 
she held her breath. A giant's footsteps stomped on the sky six times. The spider webs on the ceiling cracked wider and wider and edged up as if something was pulling, sucking the ceiling in. Then, poof, the ceiling was gone. Above her pulsed a swirling vortex, sucking in the night sky and stars. In the heart of the tornado was nothing. And yet, she felt something slip down and grab her arms, her hands, and yank. The strings lifted her to her knees, stood her up. Brian! She screamed, looked at him. He slept calm and relaxed, happier than he'd looked for months, years even. Perhaps he wouldn't leave her. Brian! She cried one more time. Coco, in the corner, woke this time. He looked around the room, wondering what stirred him. He looked at his paw. Cassie felt the strings pull and looked up to the swirling dark stars and finally to the beast with a throbbing heart of lightning. It had been calling to her all these years. Speaking to her. Speaking to her between the lines she drew and the colors that painted them in. Its scream replaced her beating heart while its web wrapped around her arms, legs, torso. Slowly, she began rolling up like a sleeping bag being rolled up for storage. Cassie spun over and over like the way she used her paintbrush the last couple months, blending dark with light, the colors growing darker and darker. She felt the monster's legs grab her and hold her up to its tiny eight eyeballs. Horrified, she turned away. She looked down through the vortex and saw her body, her face staring up. Shock, loss, regret showing in her own eyes. Brian turned over and wrapped his arm around the shell of her body. And then the vortex shut. It was then she saw the beast's fangs. Its legs brought her close, and she thought it would eat her. But instead, it rocked her. It cradled her like a baby. She heard the light girlish whisper again. Rock-a-bye, baby, on the treetop. No, Cassie thought, pulling four of her legs free and raising them to her eyes. A spark of memory, running through a white void, broken faces made of smoky glass cutting her legs. A brilliant orange light blinding, then collapsing beneath and around her. Her mother's song, and then falling, falling, falling through time, space, eternity. Her mother's voice. You are back, my child, and I shall always keep you. 
she looked up into her mother's eight loving eyes and saw her own eight eyes reflected back. But it was more than just her physical reflection. It was her memories, her despair, Brian. Brian, she said in an alien tongue. You'll never be alone again, whispered back her mother. Six loud knocks shook the universe. An invisible, magnetic, electric power clutched them in its claw, then shot them into the darkness, past the stars. Cassie was left no time for tears, but just a single thought. She thought of the baby dove, covered in ants, dragging its broken wing, creating art in the dirt from its pain. They say a mother will reject a chick once touched by human hands, but Cassie's mother had rescued her. She wished the ants had found her first. Who likes dark stories? People who have experienced a touch of the dark side. People who are a little wiser to the world. People who like their bones chilled and their spines tingled. People like you and me. It's hard to find a story these days that write on the dark side with a touch of whimsy, humor, and heart. Mavsky spreads her dark wings and solves this problem for you. Head on over to Amazon and type Mavsky's name into the search engine. M-A-V-S-K-Y-E. At Amazon, you'll find her Tales to Chill Your Bones series, Girl Clown Hatchet series, Supergirl series, her cult classic novel, Wanted Single Rails, and, of course, her brand new release, Cold Hangs the Midnight. Choose your dark flavor and head on over to Amazon today.